Hey, this is John Barry, and you're listening to Chasing Birdies. All right, guys, welcome back here to another episode of Chasing Birdies. It is Thursday, and it is a new one, my friend. What is up? What is going on? You're all right, buddy. You're in the hotel room tonight. I see. I'm in the hotel room. I am uh, out on the road for a couple days, and we'll be back in the western side of Pennsylvania for a great weekend coming up, which we'll tell you about in the second part of our. Dude, when did Best Western start having Wi-Fi? I'm I'm taking it off Chipotle next door. (laughs) I can see that. I can see that. That's good, but I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're getting some work in before this weekend of golf for you. I mean, you just had a previous weekend of golf. Well, one um, one round I played. Um, yeah, true. First time I've played in, what, three weeks. So what was, I played in the Pikewood member guest, and then I played that Tuesday, and then I haven't touched a club since. So I played this past Friday at the uh, Greenbrier Sporting Club. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, oh man, the greens were a lot faster this time around. Um, I shot 74 mm. and I bogeyed three of the four par threes. So there you go. Good for you, man. I'll tell you what, your game never goes far from perfect. I'll tell you that right yeah, now, but it's, um, far from perfect. That's dude. True. You know what? I, I forgot to tell you. I forgot what? to tell you this shit. Tell me. I bought this swing speed system called the stack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have you ever hit heard of it or not. Buddy? Well, dude, so I've talked to a couple people most recently this past weekend that have used this system called the Stack System. I guess it's it's invented by this this guy, Dr. Sasho McKenzie. Supposedly, it's badass. I had the swing speed sticks that I was using for a little bit, but I, I, I never followed the the protocol mm-hmm. on that shit. So I bought the, the Stack System. Mm-hmm. Uh, shipped it here and I'm going to start using it but now in theory I should be able to pick up 6 miles per hour on my hu- club head speed okay but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to go for 10 alright so we'll see what happens I'll keep but it posted let's just get a little bit more club head speed we don't even got to go 10 like 2 would help you 6 that's my goal 6 bud 6 well, how, how was your uh, lengthy stay out in Colorado? I know the last time we talked to you, you were out there. You horseback rode a little bit. Uh, mm. What else did you get into, bud? No golf. Any golf? No golf. No golf. No golf. Um, it was great, man. You know, Colorado to me is just a good place to go to and escape the reality of the world you live in. It's beautiful country, good people, phenomenal food, phenomenal hikes. Like, it's just... I don't know. Some people like to go to the beach. I'm not knocking the beach. I'm not saying the beach can't achieve what the mountains achieve for me. But uh, personally speaking, Colorado is just a great place. I don't really care too much about what's going on back at home. Yeah, I check in with you every day. We talk a little bit of shit here and there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's kind of like just me being loose. Um, but I will say, you know, after about 10 days, I get ready. I get ready to get back in the saddle. Um, and this time around, not having... Any golf out there, it was fine, but I was definitely itching to play some golf. Um, so, yeah, but I appreciate you asking. You had a good time down at the Greenbrier. I know had that. had a blast. We went down and, with the family. Uh, my my parents took us all down, and we had a blast. And we only played, like I said, Friday. Uh, teed off at 12.15, looped it around at 2.45. We were done. 
So that's the beauty of uh, the sporting club, I guess, if you're a member or you're a guest of a member. Um, mm-hmm. That place is special. So I had a blast. And I'm just excited for you, dude, because, you know, I, my sister's never been to the Greenbrier. So we took her down. We showed her the first tee of Old White, take the steps down around, and bang, all the live tour stuff is up the party center the restrooms the concession stands the um, seats around the 18 green so it's looking good but it's all set up for you and i kept laughing and telling myself i want to see bash hit a shot with this 18th hole filled with people yeah well i don't think that during the pro-am there are any spectators according to the I, i don't know I got literature on this whole thing and it's a private event and it doesn't sound like people are watching. So I hope not, but if they are, you know what? I'll yuck it up with them. I'll say what's up, shake some hands and uh, hit a few nice wedge shots. And that's about it. Um, Other thing Mm -hmm. about the Greenbrier, not to get too far ahead because, you know, we still got some things to talk about here, but we had a blast at the Greenbrier with our guest today, John Barry. Uh-huh. Uh, former NBA player, <laughs> analyst. I mean, my man, you know, I got to tell you, the event was great for chasing birdies. Other than the fact that you and I, we never thought about the fact that on Friday night, it was an open bar. No big deal, right? 24 Saturday, guys Sunday go night, up there. Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night, whatever. Uh, so it was an open bar. Um, definitely was not prepared to see some of the numbers with respect to those tickets there, you know, four or five bottles of wine bought on the boys. No big deal. But, you know, I was like, what the, meanwhile, what is happening? Meanwhile, Chasing Birdies doesn't have a pot to piss in. And we're out here just purchasing a $150 bottle of wine for our boy, John Barry, just so that he felt like he was at home. Yeah. But you know what? He deserved it. He had a great time and it was awesome awesome hanging in other news here in west virginia pep i know you know this because you're wired in with ip like we all are but our young boy down Mm -hmm. there in bridgeport west virginia fired a 59 at bridgeport country club mason williams dude what in the hell is happening to you right now buddy i mean that's phenomenal 59 i sent him a nice text i won't repeat what i said to him but it had something to do with 59 69s but yeah, but well, I, I'll tell you this much, Mason. Hats off to you, bud. If you wear a hat, if you don't wear a hat, I don't know. Lipstick, <laughs> sunglasses. Uh, but you and I have only been close to fifty nine on nine holes, bud. In reality, you think about that. Yeah, last weekend. I know. So, it's yeah, yeah. It's insane. Like yeah. to wrap your head around that. So, uh, hats off, Bridgeport Country Club, new course record, fifty. Nine, which is great because he's going into some important events now, and uh, hopefully that leads to him making a little bit of cash. Kakish, this week, today, starts the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool in Hoylake, the United Kingdom. Buddy, who are you looking to win this week? I don't know if you looked at some of the odds, but I will tell you, Ricky at plus 2,600 looks a little bit tasty right now. I got you some... I got you some numbers right here, okay? Scotty Scheffler, plus 650. Rory, plus 700. Rom, plus 1,200. Cam Smith, plus 1,600. Kepka, 2,000. Hovland, 2,200. 
Then you get the Hatton, Shoffley, Shoffley, Fowler, Fleetwood, Cantley, plus 2,500. goes on from there. Anyways, I'm really, really digging this Tommy Fleetwood this week at the British yeah. Open. Or I might even double down, my man, and, and go back with your boy, Cam Smith. I, I, I just, I don't know. He's playing some good golf. Uh, I like what he said on the radio on Monday when I was driving. He said, I got to hit the range, get all my long game dialed in. Because it is very important. You got to hit the fairways there. You, you got to keep it within reason. So you heard it. Cam Smith for me, Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, that, that's two. That's two good ones right there, man. I think I think Hovland's due to win win a major. I mean, he's been so close all year. I know he had a win earlier in the season, but um, I like him at that number. I don't know. I, I, it's so easy to say like someone like a McRoy or Scheffler just because of who they are. But at the end of the day, man, it's it's. I feel like it's going to be someone that we aren't even thinking of, like maybe Leishman. Um, gets it done or someone akin to that because it's just a different type of golf over there. But at the end of the day, the better players do have an advantage simply because they're better. But um, I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. I probably would take Fowler just because he's a little hotty. His game's hot, not hotty. Um, and obviously Hovland I like too. So those would be my two picks if I had to, if I had to say anything right now. But that's that, bud. Um, John Barry today on the podcast, great interview with JB. We uh, failed to include in the interview his story at Gaza Ranch with James Wisniewski and some other people there that were hanging out and they were playing some golf and riding in boats. But uh, overall, man, JB, he's he's a pretty straightforward he's guy, awesome. right? He's the best. Cigar, 60 ring gauge, go get, get yourself one of those. Sit back, light that thing, and let's listen to John Barry. Let's go. All right, y'all out there listening today to this episode of Chasing Birdies, and we are joined by an NBA, former NBA player, former ESPN analyst, one hell of a golfer. My man can drink wine. <laughs> John Barry here on Chasing Birdies. What's up, JB? I think I'm better at drinking wine than golf, but uh, thank oh. you. What's up, guys? I'm really. Well, I mean, I looked at the bill today from the Greenbrier, four <laughs> bottles of Quilt. Oh, the Quilt. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah. it's all I good. thought it might have been something else, but the Quilt was excellent. Yeah, it was great. It was good, man. So thanks for coming on here, my man. My pleasure, man. Good to be with you guys. Again. Mm -hmm. Again. So you, where, where are you right now? You're in L.A.? I'm in L.A. Gotcha. Yes, Calabasas. You could always think of some worse places than that to be, I guess. It's not bad. It's getting a bit hot, but since Atlanta's my full-time home, I know it's not as hot as Atlanta right now. Yeah. Well, that heat. Golly. So, all good. It's all good. Pep, you there, bud? I am here, boys, and I am uh, just listening to you two bicker a little bit. What? You can't forget that he's good at smoking cigars, too, dude. Not just the little teeny-weeny ones like you. He's smoking the 60-gauge cigars, which you got me hooked. <laughs> as many cigars as I smoke in my life, I learned something. We're at the Greenbrier, and JB, I give him a cigar, and he said, you don't smoke the 60 rings on the golf course. He said, it's perfect. It's one for the front nine, one for the back nine. And I never thought of it, and he's right. And so now I've been buying 60 ring gauge cigars oh, on the golf nice. course. Wait, so, so it, are, is 60 thicker? Or? It's basically yes. the size of you. <laughs> okay. 
So, so it's a bigger, you. little rounder <laughs> cigar. Well, I am girth, but okay. <laughs> but me and Mike, Michael Oates and myself have uh, indulged in a 60 ring gauge now with because of John Barry. So thank you for that. Well, well we all have our vices. Some good, some bad, on different. Good, so. I do apologize about your uh, sports coat, by the way. We had a long I sports must, coat. I, I, I don't know. Well, when you're room with the Wiz, anything can happen. That's true, John. Wiz packed. <laughs> you ever He's probably with? got his suitcase right now. Probably. It, he probably hasn't unpacked yet. I would. I totally would agree with that. Yes. How we've been home for how long? Three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Something like that. Good chance. So, you looking back on your career, drafted first round of the '92 NBA draft, and and look, we're going back. You know what? 31 years now. Oh, thanks, Bash. I mean, but that's still something to be said, man. I don't care. Anybody that can get and play at the professional level, you have something in you. So basketball, was that always your thing, John? Uh, I did everything growing up, to be quite honest. Um, I, and I never really thought the NBA was like what I was going to do, even when I was, I don't know, a junior at Georgia Tech. Uh, I transferred to Georgia Tech for my last two years, and I jumped into the ACC. And uh, growing up in California, I really had no idea what that was all about. Uh, <laughs> that was some of the best basketball. I mean, and I was kind of hit in the face by it. Like, wow, uh, these guys are really good. And uh, so, no, I, and then I had a good senior year, and um, I snuck into the first round. And uh, found my way playing for 14 years, which uh, I always tell everybody, I, I think I deserve an Oscar for the acting performance that I put on for, for 14 years. Or a Picasso painting. <laughs> but it's funny. I was at the club. I was at Sherwood today with John Levitt. You guys remember John Levitt? He was Saturday Night Live yeah. uh, actor and a funny guy, good guy. And he was asking me a bunch of NBA questions today. And... And uh, it was funny. He said something like, how many guys are in the NBA? And I said, I don't know, roughly 450, 500. And he goes, you know, isn't it funny that people will look at a guy, and we do it with all sports, and you go, man, that guy's terrible. He stinks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, he's one of 450 or 500 guys in the world that's in the NBA. It's true. And so, you know, when I step back now and I look back, and you guys are saying 14 years of late, you always compare you always want to be the best, right? You want to be great. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be an all-star and this and that. And when you're not, you can be looked at as a failure. Mm-hmm. And making the NBA for 14 years is certainly not a failure. And that's what like the older you get, you come to realize like it, it wasn't an all-star career. I didn't do a whole lot. I didn't win an NBA championship, but man, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta pat yourself on the back and say, that's a pretty good job. So when you transferred to Georgia Tech, were you and you're going into the ACC? And back to what you're saying, the ACC, the bad teams in the ACC are good teams still. They can beat exactly. North Carolina, a Duke, any night of the week. There's always a yeah. Florida State that upsets a North Carolina or a Duke or whatever back in that day. Mm-hmm. But when you transferred, were you kind of, I guess nowadays is the NBA watch list. Were you on that? through your junior year or did it really come about your senior year? 
Yeah, I, I think it was more my senior year. I, I, I had a pretty good junior year. I played with Kenny Anderson, who was uh, unbelievable point, point guard, guard right? out of New York yeah. City. You, yeah, huge, huge name guy. Uh, Kenny was great. So my junior year, um, I don't know, I think I averaged 15 a game and kind of got on the map. And, and also, you know, when you transfer into the ACC, you, you're kind of an outsider. You know, they 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 respect when you're there as a freshman and, you you know, obviously they know about you more. And so guys, guys don't transfer into the ACC a lot. I mean, they didn't back then. So being just a two-year guy, uh, you didn't get, is you know, I think the respect from most people around the ACC. So I, I would guess, you know, halfway through my senior year is when it happened. And then I think the biggest thing for me to get to the NBA was, and I don't know if they still have it, to be, to be honest with you, is – uh, the top seniors from around the country, we went to Orlando. So they had, I don't know, I would guess 80, 100, maybe 100 guys that weren't the top, top names. And you would go and they did it by region and you would work out, play games, and every NBA team was down there. So it was a great little scouting place. And I wound up getting on the all-tournament team for that. I don't know. He played eight games or something, and I and I really played well, and that's kind of what jumped me into the first round. So basically, it's like an NFL combine for the NBA. Right. You go around. You the general managers are there. The everybody's there. You'll you'll go have a meeting with however many teams that want to meet with you in a private room, and then they watch you work out every day. They watch every single game, and it's a it was a great opportunity, and you could really take advantage of it. And I remember. I was in the best shape of my life before that thing went down. And uh, and I wound up having a real good run for that week, and it, it really helped me a lot. Isn't it crazy, though, like how much college basketball, all sports have changed over time, right? I mean, we can get into the live PGA Tour talk later. But back then, dude, you were in college for three years minimum before you went to the NBA. And... You know, you just said like, when's the last time a senior in the uh, in college basketball got drafted? Uh, Probably last legit year. Senior. Yeah, maybe not. In a t- certainly not any of the yeah. top guys. You know, not you're recently. kind of you're, yeah, yeah, you I kind know. of the draft is based on potential. Like, you don't have to go prove yourself uh, to get drafted. Back then, right. yeah, you're right. You like even Shaq. Shaq was in my draft. He went three years to college. Like, it's crazy. Think nowadays, he'd be three years. He'd no, be three no. minutes. <laughs> I mean, like in a way he would stay through it, and it's like the longer you stay in college the more flaws maybe that you show people and it could hurt you so that's why you go man as soon as strike when the iron's hot go me personally i i don't watch much nba i watch the finals because it's on and it's good entertainment i love college basketball i mean who doesn't love college basketball but in your position now, looking back, like Jonathan alluded to a few minutes ago, the whole landscape of, of not just sports, but basketball specifically has changed so much. And I feel like now kids are getting started at a much younger age. They're getting into these AAU leagues, this travel league, Under Armour, all this, yada, 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 just to try to get a position into a college to have a chance to go somewhere else. But in your day and age, it, it's almost like it was raw talent. Like you either had it or you didn't. Now I feel like people that don't have it are trying to have it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, well, first of all, the NIL 
I think is going to is, oh is really bad. It's just it's uh, AAU ball for me was just kind of starting when I came out, and it is such a uh, it, it's like it might as well be what is it, Instagram or Snapchat of like look at me, look at me. Like no one wants to take the ball out of bounds because you'll probably never see it again. You know, it's just it's just trying to get yourself <laughs> out there, and so. I, I, I don't like it. I just don't like it. And you mentioned like, like, these kids are in the fifth, sixth grade now that people are talking to them. That's what I mean. You know, and I don't, I, I think it was, I don't know who said it the other day, Michael Jordan or somebody, uh, or, or maybe Charles, that kids having this kind of money at that age is not good. Not, nothing, I, I don't think anything good comes of it. I mean, imagine, I heard Bronny James is worth $7 million right now. 18 just years his old. NIL. You don't See? even have a pubic hair. Yeah, I mean, not not that he needs it because his dad can get it to him. But like, you're going to college, man. Be a kid. Like, why do you want to, you know, fast forward your life? I think you fast forward your life. You know, could you guys mm -hmm. imagine being that young and having seven million dollars? He's going to USC as a freshman, and he got seven million dollars of his own money. Well, I've always yeah. said, no, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I, we had Ryan Shazier on the show, and I and I continuously go back to it. But I told him these NIL deals are not good for kids because giving an eighteen-year-old a million dollars, okay, that comes from nothing, essentially, you're not setting them up for success. Why wouldn't you just say, "All right, listen, your NIL deal is a million bucks. We're going to give you a hundred thousand right now. Nine hundred of that's going to go into a fund that you can't touch until you're thirty-five years old. At least you're helping them out a little bit. You're not helping them right now." Mm -hmm. So I agree. I, I, how do they know? I mean, how many times have we seen guys that go to the NBA and make millions and millions of dollars and then come up with nothing and lose these, everything? These NBA so, deals, by the imagine way, imagine a high school kid, like I said, that comes, yeah, a kid comes from nothing and you give them that kind of money, they have no idea what they're doing. And then you have people that are just going to come after them from every different angle. It's like winning a lottery. You know how many phone calls you get if you win a yeah. lottery? Yeah. They're getting the same thing. And it's not people that are wanting to help them. They're going to think they are, but that's not going to be the case. So it's just it's a it's a bad thing and college athletics is going to really be a problem, I think, very very soon. Well, that's a shame. I love it too, the pageantry. And then I, I love Georgia Tech. I love playing for my team. I love my alumni that would come by. They appreciated me. I appreciated them. They're going to be like, wait a second, I'm I'm not making what he's making. The right tackle's making a million dollars, and I'm making a hundred grand. Yeah. Or the quarterback's making ten million. I'm not blocking for him anymore. It's like you you can create an ugly atmosphere in a locker room for kids that it, it, it's just I I don't like it. I really don't. And from a fan perspective, how do you how, how do you create the continuity for a team that you have a great year? You're stoked for next year, but guess what? Yeah. Five guys yeah. transfer. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I mean, think if you were this, like, you you could conceivably do this. Let's say Arch Manning, I remember, was one of the big recruits this year, right? He goes to mm -hmm. Texas, quarterback. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants him. So go to Texas, have a really good year, and say, okay, I'm I'm a free agent. See you later, guys. Who who wants to pay me now? And then go to the next school, and then have mm -hmm. another good year, and then be like, who, who's next? Yeah, if guys making <laughs> enough money in their college lives to not, to not have to do anything after yeah. that. So what is this teaching you? Like, uh, 
it's a bad precedent. I don't like it. And that's my point too, is if you're an, a college athlete, you can transfer four times. It doesn't matter. Just play a year, get your money, go somewhere else. Play a year, get your money somewhere else. To me, the NCAA should say, listen, you get one, you know, you get one transfer free. That's it. After that, you got to sit out a year. We're back to sitting out a year because this, the pit quarterback, he's played for four teams. He was at Oregon State, and then he came to he went to USC, then he came to Pitt, and now he's at um, I don't know Tennessee or something now. But that's four teams in four years. It's it's a disaster. Yeah. It's a joke. There's no loyalty. Yeah, I agree. No, and that's going to be an ongoing issue. So we know that. You know what's funny though, John. You talk about these kids now in fifth and sixth grade having all this, you know, they got YouTube channels up of slam dunking balls. I mean, I can't even touch the net. These kids are dunking, doing 360s. But back when I was in high school, not that long ago, by the way, we didn't have Facebook or anything like that shit to where people can see what you're looking like. So we had recruiters coming around and physically knocking on the door, asking if they could create a recruitment profile for you and put it in front of these uh, colleges essentially. And I was playing golf. I wasn't that good, but I wasn't bad. So I signed up. I said, what the hell? Can we dig you know, that out? Parents, I want to see this video. I don't know. No, it's, it, it, it was like a profile page of me uh, and like my stats and a picture. Yeah. yeah. And this guy was going to take me to the moon. I was going to get all these looks, but I got one look Randolph Macon in Virginia. That was nice. <laughs> I mean, in today's world, <laughs> That would never fly, but today, it's the truth. But it's, it's, I guess my point to all that is how things has changed, not only from when you've played, but in 16 years, how things have changed. Yeah. Um, and how about the contracts these guys are getting paid now oh in the NBA? God. I try not to look. You missed the yeah, I mean, I can compare, yeah, I compare myself to a guy like, okay, we're, we're comparable guys, and he makes – 12 million a year and uh i played for 14 years i didn't make 12 million a year in any of those i can assure you so when you had for them it is the money's crazy i mean i saw i saw a guy the other day get 200 million dollar contract nba player never heard of him so yeah yeah i don't i whatever so when you get drafted you, you you go to the draft you know nowadays they're big on the you're slated here and they're pretty accurate unless you're mel kuyper um, were you slated in a certain, the first round and the, the bottom half, the first half, like, did you fall where you thought you would go? Yeah, I, I think I was projected somewhere in the, you know, after the first, you know, 15 picks or so, I would assume. Uh, and I got picked by Boston at 21 and I remember I was at home. So I had family, I was out in the Bay area at my mom's house and my stepdad. And, uh, I remember the Knicks were right before me. And like the Knicks swore if I was on the board, I was going to be a Nick. And so the Knicks are at 20 and I'm like, here we go. Here, you know, and they wound up taking Hubert Davis from North Carolina, who became a good friend of mine. Like we played mm. together one year. But anyway, so I thought I was going there. So now it was Boston. And I had went to Boston. I did an interview with them, but they, they were OK on two guards. So I, you know, I kind of got up and I left the room. And then I get picked. I'm not even watching. And I just heard a scream in the other room, my mom and everybody. So I get picked to Boston. And uh, so my literally 15 minutes later, 
about eight of my buddies drive up the driveway and they all have Celtic gear on. They had went and raided a store down the street that had uh, whatever, a sports yeah. store. And they all walk in, Boston, everything. That's and awesome. we, we get ready to have our, you know a major party. And I was and I get a phone call, obviously. I think I, I don't know if it was Red Arbach or who it was. I'd met Red. But uh, I'm getting ready to have a nice big party at the house. And they go, hey, you're on the 1130 flight. Uh, we'll see you, you know, when you get here. I had to take a red eye from San Francisco to there. I had like two hours to get to the airport. So I was kind of bummed. I had all my boys at the house. I was getting ready to have a little fiesta, and I had to go get on a plane. Oh, man. That's funny. That is. I, I don't think my friends paid for the gear at the place that they got all the Celtic stuff. That's all right. Oh, just and I owe you. They just completely they just ransacked the place. <laughs> so they ended up trading you? Did they end up trading you? Because you played for the Bucks your first couple yeah, of years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got traded. I didn't get traded until cr after Christmas to Milwaukee. So they had a contract deal that wasn't acceptable. And so I really thwarted my career, uh, to be quite honest, because, you know, when you get drafted in the NBA uh, and you don't go to that team, they don't have as much vested in you. You know what I'm saying? So I got traded to Milwaukee. It was middle of the season. So I just didn't get the treatment of being a first round pick. When you're their guy, you know, you think about it. The GM picked you, and they picked you in the first round. So if you don't look good, they don't look good. Yeah. Right? So you, you don't get the opportunity. You don't have a GM coming down, the coach going, hey, you know, we got to get Barry in the game, man. Mm. We, uh, duh, this and that. Like, I, I, I went to Milwaukee, and our team stunk, and I just didn't really get much of an opportunity. So that, that was my biggest regret. I don't regret – I stand by me not signing the contract that they offered me, uh, but I really wish it worked out that I got to go to Boston because it took me a good six years till I broke into a rotation in the NBA. So it was really six years of kind of hell for me uh, until I finally made it and got got into a rotation. Did you and after the season ended? Did you play summer ball? Oh yeah, when I was young, all, all the time, maybe. A week or two off, and then right back to the gym. I mean, I swear, like, Denver just won, like, it feels like two days ago, and now these people are playing freaking games. It's on TV. Summer I'm league, like, can, yeah. the, can the guys get a break? Oh, the summer league? Well. Yeah, like, give it. There, there, nobody, there's nobody that really plays significant minutes on the Nuggets that's out there, I can assure you. I saw the other day, I was flipping through, and there's some basketball league where it's half court only. Three on I think, three. like, Ice Cube owns it. Oh, yeah, yeah, the big three. Yeah, the big three. The big, the big three. And I'm watching it, and the guy's interviewing, and he, and he gives the mic over to Jarul. Remember Jarul? He had that hot song with Jennifer Lopez back in the day. I'm like, yeah, Jarul is still kicking? <laughs> He's on courtside, man. That's my favorite rapper dude, growing up. That's the league of for that thing, boy. Yeah. Have you seen some of the looks of those NBA players that are playing? Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Would you would you go? I mean, if they called you up, hey JB, we got a little cash oh, for you. No chance. <laughs> my man wants to play golf. No chance. Yeah. He wants to be. I don't know that I can somewhere. do it physically. I blew out my calf. That's why I retired. But I wouldn't have any desire to do that at all. So you played against Jordan, correct? I did. A lot. And what was that like? <laughs> uh. Well, first thing I. Every team I was with, I don't know how many teams I was with during his uh, 90s run, but 
I told the, the photographer, team photographer, anytime I'm in the area code with him, get pictures. So I have uh, at least eight frame pictures with me and Michael Jordan in it. Either me guarding him, him going by me, him jumping over me, uh, or him <laughs> smothering me or blocking my shot. Uh, so I, have, I got eight of those. I got them in my home in Atlanta and uh, because – the best of the best. I mean, I have LeBron James, Michael Jordan conversations all the time. I got into one the other day with these two guys and the younger guys, a lot of them tend to say LeBron James. And I said, go back and watch the best to ever do it because it's Michael Jordan all day. So what in I'm, your mind, I mean, you obviously you played against him, but what made him in your eyes the best to you? Well, now look, yeah, you can, there's plenty of ways to say who's better, like, Okay, is LeBron a better rebounder than Michael Jordan? Sure. Is he a better passer? Sure. Uh, is he a better defender? No. Uh, is he a better scorer? No. So whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. For me, the most important thing in a team sport is winning. So if I got to win a game and I have a choice between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, I'm taking Michael Jordan every time. The greatest competitor as an athlete that any sport has ever seen to me is Michael Jordan. So I got to take him to win a game. Well, and listen, I'm on your side with that. And I, I'm not one to talk. Cause again, I'm, 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 I don't know facts. Okay. And I know LeBron has done phenomenal things for the game. Great things for the game as Jordan. But here's my thing. I'm going with Jordan because A, my man has not only changed one game or sport, but he's changed two, golf. And B, it was a different time, time period. Like what he did in that era and being able to negotiate shoe deal and, and get this whole thing launched. If you watch the Nike documentary, Air, I think it's called or whatever, I don't know. But it's unbelievable, and I'm sure that's true. So to him to have that much effect on things that are on the peripheral of just basketball, to me, makes him superior. That's my opinion. Well, in 1992, when we when pros first played in the Olympics, was 1992, right? Barcelona, the dream team. Yeah. There, there was no bigger person in the world than Michael Jordan. And any, and anything, I don't anyway. care, presidents and actors and whatever. Michael Jordan in 1992, when they went to Barcelona, was the most famous athlete in the world. The famous, most famous person in the world was Michael Jordan. Yeah, and the guy was a bad dude. You got to remember back back when you played JB. That's when clutching and grabbing was a thing. It was a physical oh, game back then. Murder. Hey, if there was no blood, there was no foul. So I mean, the abuse that Michael Jordan used to take. Yeah. Go watch that. How many times you see guys get knocked down when they go into the paint nowadays? It, you, you don't. Flagrant fouls or, or, or touches that in our in man, the nineties they wouldn't even be a foul, and they call them flagrants. Yeah, but no, it's it, changed. It's different game's different. That's okay. That's that's the that's the way it goes. But I'm telling you this, Michael Jordan, right now, the way the rules are, would average forty five points a game. There you go. He's. I'm telling you, you can't touch the man. He'd be on the line 24 times a night. It'd be he'd be unguardable. I remember back then when I was young, but man, the whole Bulls thing and the I dynasty. The Bulls. And, oh. Golly, 
It was amazing. They were amazing. And so he took the two years off, right? He won. And even more to say, I'll take him over LeBron. He was six for six in all finals he played. They won them all. He was the MVP all six times. He never scored under 20 points in any of those games. Not one game under 20 points in the NBA finals. Go back and look at LeBron James' stats in 2011. He averaged 17.8 in the, in the series. Six-game series. He averaged 17. Yeah. That, that was that was Michael Jordan, I can assure you. He, he delivered every single night. Especially in 2011 being a more offense-friendly type of game. Sure. Um, it's remarkable. Oh, we could sit here and talk about that. Well, real quick, Which, I got one more NBA question before yeah. we go any further. Who, no, let's when, go. When the years that sure. you played, who was the meanest, baddest dude that you played against that you were just like, I don't even want to look at this guy? <laughs> well, there were a bunch of them. Uh, I, I mean, there's a laundry list, really. Like, I, I remember separating. I got my shoulder separated by Rick Mahorn on a screen, just setting a screen. He used this big fat ass and knocked my shoulder out. Horn's my buddy, though. He's, he's good. Uh, I mean, there was Charles Oakley. There was him. Uh, the Davis brothers in Indiana were two monster guys. Um, there they, they were nasty guys everywhere. Xavier McDaniel was another big bruiser. Uh, I mean, they were big, tough guys everywhere. Again, we talked about the difference of the game. Though That's what they did. They were like enforcers in hockey, right? They protected mm -hmm. the stars. And these guys set screens. They rebounded. They never scored. And they just beat people up. And there was a bunch of them. Every team seemed to have one of those. The crazy thing is you're 6'4". And that's like a shoot. I mean, what you were. But, I mean, I feel like more people now are. There's more seven-footers out there than than putts that I have at seven feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and they all can play. I mean, look at Wembenyana, the guy they just yeah. drafted. Seven, three and a half. I watched him in summer league. I mean, he plays like a guard. Dribbles the ball. handle. I mean... It's amazing, you know, when you watch these guys and like, you know, people might not be NBA fans, but if you go and sat courtside in an NBA game, I think you become a fan because the size and speed and athleticism of guys, it's pretty remarkable what they're what, what they're capable of doing, how how big they are. How about that cat from Purdue, man, Zach Eddy? Yeah, he went back to school, right? I mean, I, mean, I don't he, know. I, he entered the draft, and then I think he pulled out. So he's back oh, to Purdue, he? uh, and we'll see what happens. I mean, he doesn't even have to move his feet; he touches the rim. Yeah, no. that's ridiculous. I need problem is you got to get to the under the rim. True, guys aren't going to let you just get there. <laughs> so you blow your calf out, and you retire. Then you get hired by ESPN. How did that all come about? Was that something on your radar where you're like, I want to stay in the game or I kind of want to work with an organization and, and be a, a scout? Or was it always, I want to be on the commentating side of things? Uh, commentating since uh, the eighth grade. The eighth grade, I was in a speech class. And uh, I, did, I put a camera up and I did a, a newscast. <laughs> and so I just did the sports and my teacher, Mrs. Brennan, I still remember gave me, I got an A plus. Now I hated school. I hated school. I really hate school. Uh, I got an A plus in that. And she said to me, like, this is something that you are more than capable of doing if you want to do it. 
So she planted that in me in the eighth grade. I enjoyed it. Like a lot of people, you get in front of a camera, the red light comes on and they have a hard time being themselves. And some people, you know, freeze up and they, either they're not able to talk to be themselves, right? Whatever. So I was very comfortable. I did it a plus, And I was like, I'm going to broadcast. So the NBA gotten, got in the way of my real career for 14 years. And then I got a chance to do my broadcasting for 14. So it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So you were working alongside of, were you working with Barkley and, and those guys? Or no, I didn't. They were on TNT. No, ESPN. Yeah, that's TNT. I get, but I mean, I work with uh, some of the best play-by-play. Mike Breen, Mike Tirico. Oh, Tirico. Oh, yeah. You talk about smart guys. You know, Dave Pash was another one of my good partners, Dan Shulman. But, man, these guys knew sports. Would you go back to commentating, or are you completely done? I, I've done, I did an NBA TV a little bit last year because it's in Atlanta, and I live about 12 minutes from the studio. Uh, so I'm not hired by them, but I did, I don't know, four or five, six nights of that. And uh, I'd certainly entertain if they wanted to do a set schedule of, you know, 20, 25 games or something just to mm-hmm. just to stay involved. Because I say, look, I'm so happy to be away from the league. and I, But I find myself sitting around watching the NBA it's in yeah. my life. It's in your it's blood. Been in my life for 53 years. My dad was playing when I was born. So it's part of me. Yeah, yeah you had a little yeah. uh, family NBA history. Your dad, your brother, Brent. Where did Brent play college? Oregon State. And then he won the dunk contest. Beaver. He won the dunk contest in 1995. It's insane. So the Barry family. The Barry. Can you it's dunk pretty ball? wild if you think about it. And then my other brother. Huh? Can you dunk? He's talking to you. Certainly. Can I dunk? <laughs> now? Not now. I saw the other day. I saw the way you moved. You're not, yeah. you're not dunking right now. I'm not doing that. But my other brother, Drew, who also went to Georgia Tech, was a freshman when I was a senior. Uh, he played three and a half years in the NBA, got a bunch of 10 days and stuff. So at one point, we had three brothers in the NBA, and my dad was in the Hall of Fame. I'd say those odds are pretty low. That's that sick. Would, yeah, that was pretty cool. That is awesome, man. I didn't know that. I knew your dad played in your brother, but I didn't know he had another brother. Yeah. I saw your dad. I, I typed in your name today on Google, and I saw your dad's a big paddle tennis guy. Is your dad a paddle tennis? Uh, yeah, yeah. He he plays in pickleball or pickleball sorry. events. Yeah, pickleball. I mean, what yeah. a creep. Well, he's he's like seventy eight years old. So imagine. Well, I, you guys don't know my dad. I know my dad. Him <laughs> against any other guy that's over seventy five in the world, I can't imagine he'd lose. You talk about competitiveness and like, <laughs> if he was playing his mother, if she was still alive, he'd be slamming Locked it right. You know what I mean? Man, pickleball is so, nuts yeah, right he's now. A beat. Yeah. I'll tell you what else is nuts right now. Yours. Um, John, so our boy Pep, unfortunately, has Lyme's disease, which I feel terrible for it. I do. What? Yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. believe this? What is? What, what do you mean? You don't know what Lyme's disease is? You have Lyme's disease? Yeah. Yeah. That's this nice. is what, what do you mean? This, this happened over the last week and a half. All right, John. He got like, bit by a tick. Got bit by a tick. At a member guest, I know where it happened. This is serious. It's dead serious. <laughs> you, you should see my balls, bud. They're, <laughs> they're the size. They're the size of a freaking. Oh my god, they're the size of a softball. I t- sent them to my wife. She said, "Never mind." We're. 
We're not talking about <laughs> That's this, ridiculous. But, but I mean, yeah, I do on. have Lyme's disease. That's nice, John. <laughs> John doesn't know what to say right now. He like, I, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit uh, taken back here. He's yeah. Like, you mean you like limes? No, no. It's not contagious. Um, we can still be friends. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's on antibiotics and stuff. He Is this from a crooked stick? No. Pikewood. No, no. From another one. Oh, Pikewood. Which you would love, by the way. Which you would love. Um, Ready. So, Pep, I know you have been dying to talk to John a little bit about a piece of art because you still talk about it. So, why don't well, you? you know, I would talk love. About that? I wish that right now that you. I wish right now you had that painting under that shoulder, that <laughs> <I> per, <laughs> Picasso. There's a, there's a there, for people out there. There's a painter named Picasso, and it is one of the funniest stories that I've ever heard my whole heard in my whole entire life. Someone gifted John this painting. Of Shaquille O'Neal blocking him, right? Shaq was blocking you. Just blocking? I mean, that's that, that's kind. Yeah, I mean, like eating you, smothering, just eating me alive. Yes. So this painting was done <laughs> by this guy <laughs> in Australia named Picasso. And were these friends of yours that gave gifted you this, or? Yes. Yes. And the it, for people that, that are listening, you should gear. see how red he is right now because this story is hysterical. Um, anyways, Picasso is a is a famous painter out of uh, Australia that uh, paints with his lower extremities, <laughs> and he, he even supply, he even supplies you with the video of him doing it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, you guys uh, feel very, ple- I mean, uh, privileged that that's the first time I've ever told this story. Dude. Well, we won't tell. We won't talk about it anymore. But well, you guys will. I, that was that was one of the funniest stories. I was I couldn't uh, breathe. I was laughing so hard. Tango couldn't. The tango was doubled over under the table. Everybody's dying. <laughs> Wiz had no clue what was going on. Well, everybody. Neil Walker went nuts too. He was loving it. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, the guy had a cape, John. <laughs> like, he did. He had a cape. Oh, you saw the cape? <laughs> yeah, and then I didn't I, see the I cape. Didn't see anything, I didn't see anything but what we know we saw, the paintbrush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'll tell you what, I felt a lot better after my set. Yeah, that was that's beauty. great. That was a beauty. That was I, awesome. think so. I think one of the boys asked me for the guy's information. He's going to use it. Probably oh Bango, right? It's probably Tango. Probably. It seems like a, hockey, a nice hockey gig there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Your passion for right. golf, where did this come from? Because you, yeah, you love I, the game. I don't know. I do. Uh, five years old, I guess, my first lesson. And just, you know, we. I felt like, a, I didn't know at the time, but we felt like caddies when we could go out there from five to five thirty kids are welcome you know at the club we got 30 minutes to maybe go play a few holes uh but i would do it and i'd go to the range and i'd you know just hang out there all day hit balls whatever and you know and then played a little bit in high school and i uh, really didn't play in college at all and then when i got in the nba and when you miss the playoffs in the nba you're you're done april 15th you have the rest of that month. You've got May, June, July, August, September, and then you're back to work in October. So there's a ton of time, you know, and 
when you're young, you don't have to work out per se to stay in shape as much as you do as you get older. So there was time for me to do both. I'd, I'd play ball at night and I'd play golf during the day and got real serious about it. I loved it. Um, I got a chance to go work with Rick Smith. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. Rick Smith was oh, yeah. a great teacher for many years, had a lot of top pros. I think maybe started with Phil Mickelson. He's still anyway, working I with got, Rocco. I went to treetop. Yeah. Is he working? Yeah. yeah. He's still working with Rocco. Um, yeah. Well, he was great. Three days up with him in, in uh, treetops in Michigan and uh, got a chance to see a bunch of guys here and there and whatever. I just, I love it. I think it's the ultimate challenge. You know, every sport is very, very difficult. There's no question, but this is one that can't be mastered unless yeah. you have Jerry West. Have you ever Jerry. played with Jerry? I've never played with him. I know he kind of said the game's too easy, come too easy for him. That's why he's not playing anymore. I so. played with Jerry and IP down at the Greenbrier in Zambos. Jerry West played. I, I mean, I, I would walk to my ball, and he is already gone in the cart. Like it's like oh. you're looking at the green, and the cart's right in front of you, and he's <laughs> driving away. He does not give a crap what's going on it's his world he's playing golf whether you're there or not hell of a golfer though Golly. yeah but that that but bash that that defeats the purpose for me uh because I, I i just recall that i'm riding with friends and and i'll just all say all of a sudden there's nothing better than this no you know and i i just love being with guys that love the game and just love being around people i mean and you guys at the green bar I told you, I mean, to get 24 guys together and you, and you genuinely really like every mm -hmm. one of them, that is what excites me more than anything. Yeah. And that's just the best. I mean, and to be at a beautiful place like the Greenbrier, and then if we go somewhere else and do it, you know, I'm going to Scotland next summer in August. Like, there's nothing better than that, being with great friends and – you know, not only you compete against them and yeah, you want to win your bets, whatever it is, if it's a dollar or a thousand dollars, it doesn't matter. It's the pride of, of trying to beat somebody and they're trying to beat you and you respect it and you respect great shots. And it's just, there's, it's just, I, I think it's a, it's a great sport to, that's just, again, like there's a lot of life lessons I think that are involved mm -hmm. in it. And I don't know. I just love being with people. And for the most part, you can go up to any golf course, and you just kind of meet cool people, right? If you go play golf, I mean, you know, I, I, when I when I wasn't a member anywhere and I had to go to a muni or something and like, hey, you're playing with these two guys, you guys. You're like, cool. And the guys are great. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it, I don't know, the common theme that everybody just really gets along on the golf course. So I love it. It's funny. Um, you know, Neil Walker was on the trip with us. And, you know, through his whole career, baseball's what uh, – they're from April, well, March till October if they're good. And so the whole golf season miss, is missed. So that was his first real golf trip with friends. And he he oh, yeah. is addicted, dude. He's like, that was the coolest thing I've ever experienced, being on a golf trip with a bunch of dudes and just yucking up, boozing, gambling, playing. So to him, that was the coolest thing ever. I bet. He seemed to have a good time. Yeah. Walks at a good time. I think – for me, like going on a golf trip, I, number one, yeah, you got to have good people, which we tend to have. But also, B, 
it brings an element of ease and relaxation to me that I might not get when I'm playing here or at home because I know I'm on a golf trip. I'm here to golf. So I'm not going to rush to get through 18. You want to go play an E9? I'm in. You want to go sit around a bar and have a beer or a water? I'm in. Want to get a nice dinner? I'm in. And then do it all again the next day. So it's not like a, you know, party per se. Like I'm not going to party and get banged up. I'm going to have a great time and play golf with good people. And like you said, that camaraderie can't be duplicated in any other sport. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like people say, you know, we're going on a golf trip there. And then they're like, well, there's nothing to do at night. I go, exactly. I don't want any. I don't. I'm there to golf. Right. And I'm there to go shower after we play, hopefully 36, have a nice dinner. Talk about our round. Talk about the horrible shots somebody might have hit, and the great ones guys hit, yeah. and have a few beers, and go to bed, and do it again the next day. Yep. I don't need anything out there. I want no lights. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Boondocks. It doesn't matter. So. You're out at Sherwood, out there. I'm at Sherwood. I played Sherwood today. Yeah. yeah. Well, how was it? How's the game looking? Uh playing well lately played with chandler parsons today he went to the university of florida played in the nba yeah uh, james wisniewski obviously you guys know the whiz the hockey mm-hmm. he, st- he shot 77 today he didn't play so hot and a couple of our buddies and we had a we had a good a good good time today we kind of came up with a new game today we enjoyed what's it what, what is it well it was so we, we typically play five man wolf we only had four guys today and so we played a two-man Nassau, but inside of the Nassau, we played a two-man wolf game. So you could hammer it. So it, beside the Nassau, which I think is boring if you're just playing a straight Nassau. So we wanted to spice it up a little bit. So we played, uh, you start at whatever denomination on each hole. And you had, you and your partner were the wolf team against the other team. And so you could hammer throughout the whole hole. And That's that was cool. separate of the Nassau. So it was kind of neat, yeah. especially when you win. And Which I'm did. assuming that you did. We did. <laughs> you get a lot of people out there. Do you think, let me ask you something, in that area of California, are there a lot of egotistical people on the golf course, or is it kind of a laid-back place? Uh, for the most part, our place is pretty cool. You know, you go to these clubs, and you got to honor and respect what they want or what the rules are. But... It's also fun to not have to worry about if you're going to be paired up with someone. No, no, we our our place is good. I, I've met, you know, I just I've only been in Sherwood for a little over a year now, so I played in one member member and met a ton of great guys. Uh, it's just you know what? There's not, quite frankly, there's not a lot of play out here. Yeah, and it, you know when it gets warm, you know, not many people are around, and uh, but it, it's been great. Uh, we have a good group of guys of our core guys and uh, uh, it's a beautiful place that we're hoping uh, we can get you guys out here sometime soon. Yeah, Yeah. we got to do that. hundred percent. I I I was talking to somebody today. I said, January or February next year, be perfect when we want to get the hell out of this cold weather. That'd be dynamite. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we don't have a winter like we did last uh, winter because it was awful here, but But it will not be that. It'll be great. Oh no. Last year was terrible. I mean, we're talking low 50s and rain almost every day. It was oh, awful. Yeah. And then happen again. In Atlanta, you're at in Atlanta, you're at Setting Down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is another beauty. 
it is another beauty. And if I'm there in November, I understand you'll be there. You'll be yeah. seeing it. We're, we're, we're working on something there. So yeah. Hey John, um, it's been awesome having you on here on chasing birdies. And, um, so thank you. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the course of the months, but we are at the last segment of our show here called the tap in segment presented by Betnardi golf. Check them out online at betnardi.com. Jonathan is going to ask you four or five questions at the man, your quick witted response. So those are good putters, by the way, aren't they? They're phenomenal, especially when they go in. Oh yeah. (laughs) All right. What do we got? Rapid fire. You coming at me here? Yeah. Yeah, Whatever you want. You can. Yep. Whatever. You get one chance to either go back in the NBA finals or tee it up in a major. Which are you picking? Oh, wow. Man, that that's a really tough question. Um, I know if I tee up in a major, I'm going to embarrass myself. So I got to go back to the finals. There is. is there a certain team that you would have liked to be a part of to go do that with? One that I played with or any team I could go on? No, one that you played with. Oh, I would take my group of Sacramento Kings. Is that Chris Weber? Chris Weber, Vladi Dibots, Jason Williams. J-Dub. White Chocolate. All right. What will your next Picasso painting be? (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) I don't know. I like maybe a T-ball on 16 at Cyprus. Oh, that's Ooh. a good one. How's that? That's All right. Favorite on-course cigar? Uh, Perdomo, 10th anniversary. 60 ring gauge. 60 mm. ring all the way, baby. Yeah. Most threes made in a game and against who? That I made? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, NBA, I would say I probably made... I've been, I've been only five and probably did it numerous times. Yeah. All right. Last I, one. They, we, we, don't, we didn't shoot them back then. We didn't shoot them back then like they shoot them now. You got to go low back then. Yeah, well, Steph shoots 15 a game. That, that's a good two and a half weeks for me to take 15. <laughs> All right. Last <laughs> I mean, one. It's crazy. What are you chasing? What am I chasing? Uh I, I, I'm I'm not chasing anything. Oh, no! I'll be honest, I'm not chasing anything. Mm-hmm. And I and as the older I get, the more I appreciate what I have. And I don't want to be chasing. I'm I'm and I'm I'm not content. There's a difference. I'm not content because I want to I want to be a better guy each day and whatever. But I'm not chasing anything. I, I'm I'm as happy as I could ever be with two kids and a great life. That's awesome. I love it. That's the first we've heard. Everyone's always chasing something. Most people say birdies, and it's like, well, that's not the right answer, well, but we uh, like it. Yeah. You guys, you guys do that. But, I mean, come on. I appreciate you guys, too, man. That was uh, a great trip. You guys do some great things, and uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. That's a John Barry three. Three ball. Three ball for JB. Three putt. Dude, he is, uh, that guy is awesome. We had so much fun with him at the Greenbrier, as we mentioned. He was down with Chase Birdies too, man. Had a blast with him. Had some stories added to the episode, which made it even better. 
but I don't know why I think that Picasso painting story is so funny, but I will tell everybody when he was telling this story, everyone at the dinner table was doubled over laughing, could not breathe. Yeah, dead. It was so funny. And, you know, the video that goes along with it, this guy jumps out in a cake, he's, or a, a cape. <laughs> he's freaking naked. He's swinging around and he paints a picture with it. Like, what the hell? But, you know, I respect JB. He was not going to dive into those details, but we will. What do we have to lose? Uh, Picasso, check him out. Eric Tangrady already got one of himself. Tango got a picture of himself, apparently. You know this for sure. No, I don't. <laughs> but I think but, he would want one. Any hooser. John Barry, thank you so much, my man. We'll see you in november december january one of those three cold months that we have to get the hell out of here uh we'll see you out in sunny los angeles and hopefully wiz is available too you know his bag's probably still packed like we said but regardless thank you hit him straight my man yeah hit him straight see that's something that i generally do uh but not playing in a while didn't really have it last weekend but this weekend dude i'm looking forward to hitting it straight Mm-hmm. And left and right, left and right straight, two putts, one putts, birdies with my boy Josh Miranda. Where? We're going to be at Nemecolon Resort. Check them out online at nemecolon.com. The boys are coming back up from Nashville. A couple of the guys here, singer-songwriters, playing in the member guests here at Nemecolon. Shepherd's Rock, Mystic Rock, you people out here that can drive or fly on a PJ, get your booties over here. Nemecolon has it all for you, your loved ones, your families. It's phenomenal. And, buddy, I'm telling you what, I am so stoked for tomorrow to peg it up with you in the afternoon. Too bad we won't have any, you know, chasing birdies, Blondales, but we will have some high nooners going around. Real life magic. Nemecolon.com. Check them out. Yes, we will have a couple high nooners. Uh, And we got four of the boys coming in from Nashville James McNair, Matt Alderman. Josh Miranda and my partner Ray Fulcher. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a little side action with all the boys: Eric Tangrady, Brandon Katzif, Michael Oates, Catfish, uh, Mike George, all the boys. Brian John's going to be there. So we got a lot of people coming up there. Uh, it is going to be a fun, fun time, and I can't wait to listen to some music, some songs people probably never heard of that are going to be there. So. I'm ready. The, ga- the golf game's not ready, but whatever. Yeah, you know, season's all- almost over. Not really. Although I did tell you that I, I was waitlisted for the USGA Mid-Am, and then mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I got moved in to the Field Boys. So I'll probably pick it up on 816 over here at- in Locust Town or wherever it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot, my man. Well, buddy, I'll tell you what, man. It was awesome seeing you again today. Doing Chasing Birdies with you is a blast. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Well, yeah, it's been a little bit. Like and you your Lyme's talk. disease. You don't, you don't had Lyme's disease. You had Lyme's disease. How are you feeling, buddy? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little better. The only thing with the Lyme's disease that I'm, I'm finding out, man, is it makes you tired. And uh, so I'm consuming a lot more coffee. I will tell you, you guys, they put me on the doxycycline or whatever the hell it's called. Um, had a little issues. Pulled my pants off. Um, my sack was the size. <laughs> Cut that out. Because uh, no I'm not call. cutting it out. I'm leaving it in. You guys uh, can listen to that. But anyways, <laughs> I, I feel I feel great. 
Um, the only thing that is the side effect that is with me personally is I get really tired around two o'clock, but then a cup of coffee takes that off on a steroid. But, um, but the first week of, of having it, uh, it kicked my ass, man. Tired, yeah. joints achy, no joke, put me bro. on a medication that my body couldn't handle. So I'm on a little something a little weaker. Yeah. No, man. I, for real, I that, that was a little scary. Yeah. Really no, you know, I'm thinking about you, obviously. Uh, so glad to hear you're better all the way around. But I'm going to get rolling here, buddy, because I tell you what, I got to go do some stretching and get ready for the weekend. I hope you guys out there enjoyed this episode of Chasing Birdies. My man, you got anything else you want to say? I don't. Chasingbirdies.com. See all our past episodes. See some cool stuff on there. See some nice photos of Mr. Ron Bashauer on there. And then Chasing underscore birdies. Guys, just like the photo. We would appreciate it. Any likes helps us. We appreciate it. You're helping us. So, chasing underscore birdies, like, love, and listen. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for your support. Thank you to Evo and Allie over at Simpler Media for putting this thing together for us. And obviously, our two social media handlers, Rachel London, Jacqueline DiPaterio. Thank you for all your help. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the Open Championship. I hope it brings you a nice couple of days relaxation on the couch. And we will catch you all in two.